You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum. It is uh, Tim and Dave with you once again, and we appreciate you tuning in wherever you are around Australia. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for the next little while. The man we're going to be talking to again uh, this week is uh, one of my favorite speakers that we've spoken to on the show. Not denigrating anybody else, but he just brings such a perspective into this uh, this realm that we speak into, yeah. and it's Jonathan Doyle. Welcome back to Momentum, man. Thanks for coming back home. Yeah, man. Hey, guys. It's great to be back to spend a bit more time with a couple of uh Couple of my favourite humans. I uh, really appreciate the uh, the invitation, and as always, I hope we can, uh, you know, just uh, bring a little bit of insight and encouragement to to men around the country and around the world. Sometimes, you know, one of my favourite quotes, Tim, you've heard me say, is that uh, you don't need a whole bunch of great ideas to change your life. You just need one good idea that you're actually prepared to use. Yeah. Mm. Hopefully, between the three of us, we'll um, we'll come up with something useful for people. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's great so. to have you on board, John. That's, that's that sounded that sounded really terrible the way that came out. But that, <laughs> what I meant was that I'm sure that the Holy Spirit will help the three of us yeah. bring what's needed. Absolutely. That's what I meant to say. Right. <laughs> let's let's go with that. That sounds better. That sounds better. Look, Jonathan, you and I have known each other for a number of years, and we've talked on the radio before momentum even came to be. And this was one of the topics that we tackled. But I mean, when you look at what's happening around the world today. Um, you know, this is this is a, a great topic, and and when you and I talked about it, it was on your website back then. It was called "Character is King," and so I suppose we want to we want to start today by talking about character. And I suppose you know there is that that famous saying that character is who you are when nobody's watching. But I suppose when you know, if you want to just put your own spin on that, how would you to set up the show define character to men listening right now? Yeah, the first thing I'd say is years ago I was speaking at a leadership event and the concept of character was pretty significant for what I was trying to impart, I guess, around leadership. So I did some research. I've always had a uh, an interest in etymology sort of when you're speaking on key topics, etymology is the study of where words come from, right? Hmm. So character is interesting. It, it doesn't appear in the English language till sort of around about the 15th, 16th century. Okay. And, and the translation of it, it actually translates as almost, it translates as what they, what they call an indelible mark written on the soul. And it, it translates mm-hmm. as like a tattoo. Wow. That character is so intrinsic that it's basically something we're writing on the essence of who we are. Now, it doesn't mean it's something you're born with. It means it's something that is created over time. And I guess throughout this discussion, we we can talk about how that happens. Hmm. You know, character is, as you make a good point, Tim, it's (laughs) our world will be a somewhat different place if character, especially at the highest levels of leadership, was something we could all see probably a fair bit more of. I think there's a huge amount of expediency in our world at the moment. Um, And there's deep roots to that too. I mean, you go back to Nietzsche writing in the 19th century, this idea that what really mattered was the will to power that, you know, what mattered was human will that you just, you know, you identified what you wanted, you went after it and whatever the cost and uh, character is coming from a, a, a different, a different place. So, uh, it's an indelible mark written on the soul. I guess my opening comments would be, you know, in previous episodes I've talked a lot about how classical thinking has shaped, you know, what we think about this sort of stuff. Mm. 
So there's a very, very rich tradition, you know, going back to people like Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, uh, and Stoic philosophy. And then, of course, the Greeks like Aristotle particularly were writing extensively on the topic. So it's, it's, a, it's an issue that's been really important to humans for a very, very long time. But I think at this particular moment in history, it's rarely discussed. It's rarely talked about. I mean, you keep hearing this word about integrity all the time, integrity in politics, integrity in this. I'll tell you the truth, after all these years and all this postgrad, I'm not even sure what that word actually means. I, I think it means something like you kind of do what you say and say what you do, but I think we need to be having a deeper conversation about what character really, really is. Mm. So when do you think um, character starts to form? Is it when you sort of get to 20 and you become an adult and that sort of age, or is it a lot before that? Great question. You know, these are the currents that that shape our modern world, right? If you take a Freudian approach, you'd say that this sort of stuff is formed before the age of two and, uh, you know, there's this profound sense of, um, you know, that we're shaped by childhood issues and trauma. That's really big at the moment. So, Des, to your question, how is it formed? I think we've got to be honest about the mystery of it for a start. Because you get people that live through trauma, you get two people live through similar traumas, and then you get this, people can just take totally different responses, right? Yeah, exactly. God gives us free free will, right? So, you know, St. Augustine famously said that grace builds on nature. So we have this raw material that we're given, the families we come from, the situations that we have. And the great mystery is that some of us, tend to take that raw material and make different sets of decisions. And again, we can agree that we live in a blame culture, right? Where lots of people can have similar experiences and then blame their lack of character and lack of success and lack of a contribution on any other, you know, other people in other situations. So there's some mystery here. Um, For me, like given the background that I came from, I just kind of, had this innate sense that for a long time, I just wanted to get even. I was just like, not at a, not at a particular person. I just wanted to get, I felt that I'd been dealt a pretty difficult hand, but I didn't want to let it break me. Where do you think the link is between core values that we develop through circumstance, through influence uh, and our character? Because they are aligned, aren't they? They're, they, they link you know, haven't done a master's in leadership. I, I was always, I always struggled with the concept of values because what what I came across in a lot of study over the years was that values can be quite transient, and they can be defined. They're often defined by wherever the power is. Sometimes, so is that that whoever is has the most significant power in a particular system can tend to define what the values will be. So values can be a function of whoever the particular person is, right? Uh, I I eventually came from a much deeper place, which was the concept of virtues. So virtues right. predate the modern concept of values. So for the for the for classical thinking again, virtues were something very different. The, 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 the best definition of a virtue is an habitual disposition to do the good. So what the Greeks were coming at was firstly that that good was something we could know. Yes. Now, again, we're all living in a moment where that statement itself is completely up for grabs, right? Like 
many moderns, postmoderns, would argue that we can know the good, but we come from a tradition, at least in the Western tradition, that you can know good and you can know evil. Um, so a, a virtue was a habit of consistently doing what was good. Yeah, I like that. And so the, the classical ones were, were um, prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. They're the classical four virtues. They call them the cardinal virtues because cardinal comes from the Latin cardinale, which means hinge. Yeah, it's like a door hinge. And mm. if you didn't have these hinge virtues, you couldn't really live the fullness of your own life. So you had to be prudent. You had to be able to make the right decision for the right reason at the right time. So my son, who's 13, yesterday he was in trouble for something. And I said, mate, I said, was this the right decision in the right place at the right time? And he's like, no. And so he knew that. So what I'm getting at is that character is shaped by our relationship with virtue, which is a conversation that's just dropped out of the modern world, right? So, you know, prudence to do the right thing for the right reason at the right time, justice to give to other people what is due to them because of what they are. So in our political context, you know, if a, if a political leader was virtuous, then they would think about legislation and policy in terms of how do I give to the citizens what is due to them because of what they are made in the image of God, right? Um, temperance, the ability to moderate attitudes. And I know on this show, many guys, you know, all of us at different times in life may have struggled with, you know, different forms of addiction, so this idea of the virtue of temperance, that we, if you can't moderate an appetite, then eventually it's going to moderate you. <laughs> mm. yeah. And finally was, was fortitude, was courage. And they always thought courage was the most important one because you needed courage to do the other ones. Um, you needed courage to do the right thing at the right time because it's not easy. It's, it's, it's much easier to do what's pleasurable in our modern world. So, again, I've gone down the deep rabbit hole of classical thinking there, but that's great. I think, I think these are the parts that are missing because it is easy to have a conversation about, you know, integrity, whatever that actually means. Hmm. So character and virtue, it's, it's really the idea is simply this, that we become what we repeatedly do. Yeah. Hmm. So Aristotle was asked, how does the courageous man become courageous? The, the Greeks were interested in that. They were like, how does the guy become brave? Or how does the guy become gentle? Or how does the guy become thoughtful or compassionate or merciful? Or And it was so beautiful because Aristotle just, you know, come back to the courageous man, you know, he just said, well, it's simple. He said he does courageous things. Yeah. Hmm. So you want to be more courageous, then you have to do something a little bit more courageous than yesterday. You want to be more gentle, then you've just got to do something a little more gentle than you did yesterday. And then you build, it's like a snowball, right? You just keep doing these things. And the last thing I'll say is that it all sounds very simple, right? It's, it's formulaic. It's like, well, good idea, Jonathan. You've, you've outlined these four virtues. You've made a good point that if we do them, we're going to be different people. So great. Here's the question. Why don't we do it, right? Hmm. The reason we don't do it, again, is because the Christian church has been wrestling with this for thousands of years. It goes back to a concept called Pelagianism, which is a great story. There was a monk called Pelagius. And like a lot of these great historical stories, you know, his real name was actually Morgan, which isn't as fancy. So he, he went with his other name, Pelagius. Pelagius gave the early church the great sin of Pelagianism, 
and now we have something called neo-Pelagianism. But Pelagius argued that when Christ died, everything that we needed to live perfectly was accomplished. And the reason we're not doing it is because, you know, we just need to try harder. We just need to basically, all the grace is there. It's all done for us. The problem is us. We just need to try harder. You know, and I'm sure there might be some theological listeners that might have a different take, but it doesn't seem to have worked very well as a strategy for the last <laughs> several thousand years, right? Mm. Not as if men listening to this. It's not as if you, you two guys and me don't know what we should do. So why don't we do it? It's back to, you know, Paul in Romans, right? I see what I want to do. Why don't I do it? Yeah. So there's a mystery here. So it's not just enough for us to know what we need to do. We need to accept that there's something that stops us from doing it. Yeah, that's good. And and that's the humility of grace. Yeah. That's the great that's humility right, right. of grace, going, I can go a pretty long way on my own. And whatever you've come from, you might be better or worse. But I think, you know, sooner or later, the best among us, the best men that I've ever met, eventually realise that that there is a need for the action and the presence of God in their life. It's good to talk about character. And, and I mean, I guess if you asked all the men who are listening to this show, would you like to have better character? They would say, yeah, of course I would. But the question is, what are the stumbling blocks? What are the things that, is it pride? Is it, what are the things that stop us from developing stronger character? Yeah, great question. There's, we live in an extremely fragmented, busy, chaotic world. So, you know, most of the men listening to this would, would agree that we don't tend to sit around for long periods of time thinking about character, right? We're just yeah. getting up every day. Right. So the first thing is that we need to be deliberate about yeah. this thing. So for what it's worth, you know, I spend probably an hour to an hour and a half a day praying through this stuff and, and basically making time to to pray and think. And what I can encourage people with is over over years now, I, I am changing a little bit, you know, <laughs> definitely not perfect, but I've been surprised at the changes, especially what I came from. So the first thing is why don't we do it? Because we don't make, we're not deliberate about it. We don't think about it and we're busy. The second thing is that we live in a highly pleasure-oriented culture. So, Ease, pleasure, consumption are ubiquitous. They're available all times and everywhere, right? So for guys struggling with stuff, you know, um, every just about everybody's got a phone these days. I don't know where mine is, probably burned it. Um, no. uh, so the, the levels of temptation, yeah, distraction um, are, are pretty strong. So we need to think about those things like, we need to think about the things in our life that are particularly difficult and distracting for us and not leading us any closer to where we want to be, pornography, substance addictions, and then just addictions to things like anger or aggression or that sort of stuff, like things that are in our, you know, some of us are just wired that way. We've had a bad run and we get that way and then we have to, we just say, well, this is how I am. This is how I am. And we can't say that. You just can't, you don't you don't get to say that. You don't get to say I'm just like this. Um, 
you know, my old man had a, problems with anger and rage and then massive problems with depression and, and withdrawal and checking out. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't get to play that as a card anymore. I have to go, no, yeah. I want to be different. So pleasure, um, there's, there's a real aversion to hardship, massive, yeah. huge. Like you look at a lot of the greats, the Lincolns, the Stoics, pain and suffering and difficulty were just important, you know. You, you don't have to go looking for it because it will eventually find you. But do hard things, yeah. you know, do hard things. Just Benjamin Franklin said, he goes, you know, the sun has not, he goes, in 50 years the sun has not found me in bed, you know. <laughs> like it was just like I get up early, I do stuff, you know. Yeah. Like I'm 48 years of age, I'm still training heaps. You do hard things. Like, uh, you know, hopefully my family won't hear this episode, but, we got an email a few weeks ago. My, 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 one of my daughters plays soccer and and they got an email saying, oh, we well, haven't got a coach and if we don't get a coach, the season can't go ahead. And um, I had that puppy dog moment uh. where the puppy dog eyes are there and you're like, you know. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, I'm just saying, oh, yeah, man, I don't know nothing about soccer. I grew up playing rugby and so I just, you know, brain fade. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do it. Oh. And then I'm like, what have I done? I'm like, <laughs> and then they said to me, it's an 18 week season. And so, and I've got, I grew up with all brothers, you know, I'm a kind of guy's guy. And I'm now I'm coaching a team of 16 year old girls and YouTubing training drills. And I've been sitting there thinking day after day, Oh man, what was, what did I do? Like, I don't want to do this. And look right now, I'll be honest. I hope they never hear this. Like it's hard for me. Right. It's like not my preference. <laughs> but I've gone, you know what, Jonathan, you agreed to do it. Yeah, and you got to do it with a good grace, and you got to give the best you possibly can. It's hard; it's not my preference. So, if we do some sacrificial things, we do some hard things, we do some things that are out of, and and your brain is never going to thank you. You know, Tim, I've, you've taught, you and know, I talked about this heaps of times, right? The mantra for every man is feelings follow actions. Feelings follow actions. You get the good feeling after you take the action. Hmm. When you take your kid out when you're tired and you do something awesome with them and you don't feel like it, you'll feel better afterwards. When you go for that exercise or you have one less drink or you stop eating X, your brain's going to go, we're going to die. Stop this. It's crazy. <laughs> Just keep doing what you were doing. We're <laughs> wired. We're wired to protect energy and to conserve and to consume and to and for pleasure. So anything that you do to push yourself into harder things, hmm. there's there's this cosmic thing where you're not going to get the payoff until you do it first. So and the strategies around how you can make that a bit easier. But there's I, I think so summary, pleasure, distraction, yeah. availability of distraction, avoidance of hardship. Um, you know, I'm re I'm reading a book called The Last, The Forgotten Highlander. It's an amazing book. Audio version is incredible too. Is a guy in his nineties. He was from the Gordon Highlanders in Scotland. Got conscripted at 18, 17, 18, Got sent to Singapore. Got captured. And I've never. I mean, I've, I've I listen to a lot of these sorts of books, but this is just extraordinary. Like the level of suffering and horror. Wow. And there's this moment that's just really stayed with me where he said, you know, he was like he'd, he'd been there for in, in a camp for about a month or two off a, you know, a cup of, you know, weevil infested rice a day. 
And he said, I'm glad, this is one line, he said, I'm glad at that moment I didn't know that I had 786 days still to go. Wow. Wow. And he survived it and he didn't talk about it for 80 80 odd years. And then, so, you know, the ability of people to endure hardship and difficulty is, and, Mm. and men, and for those men that can do it, come out the other side, it's the forge, right? So, Jonathan, in, in the time that we've got left, let me let me just go back to something you mentioned about yourself. And this is you spend, you said, an, an hour, hour and a half each day kind of thinking about this stuff, praying about this stuff. And you also said that, you know, sometimes we, we get to a point where obviously what we do is habitual. So we don't necessarily think it's wrong or bad because it's all we've known. It's all we've been modeled, whether it's parents, society, teachers, whatever it may be. So for guys listening then, I suppose, how do they firstly start identifying areas of their lives where their character might need a push in the right direction, for example? Like what what sorts of things might identify that this is something that might need some attention or some work? Uh, Is it as simple as that we know in our heart of hearts, really, when we're not stepping up to the mark and we know that we're copping out and we know we're not doing the hard stuff? Is that one of the triggers are there other things that we should be looking for as men that would identify that, hey, there's some there's some stuff here that you might need to have a look at and take a step up in? Yeah, so simple that one. The answer to your question is yes. <laughs> when, when you said about in your heart of hearts, I believe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think we know. I just think we know. Mm. I think every guy that's listening to this and is sitting on a couch six or seven nights a week, not putting the time in, for himself or for those closest to him, he knows, you know, we know, like we, I think we do. We can call it conscience. We can call it the Holy spirit. It's almost impossible to kill that thing off. You you can try. um, But if you try to kill it off, that dissatisfaction, that, that stuff, you know, you'll, you'll see, you'll sense the triggers. Look, depression and and mental health are complex, right? So I'm not going to say that, depression is not caused by other factors but sometimes if you're wrestling with constant feelings of despair and unhappiness and and nothing you know and i've lived man i've been through that often for extended periods of time and but we know and we know that there's something else right like we know Mm. that things could be better yes um otherwise we'd be happy right you know but it's interesting what you find you find so many guys who really end up in serious addiction there's this level of self-loathing and self-hatred that comes, you know, um, you know, that when they get through recovery, they're different human beings. They just, so I think we know, you know, we, we often, you know, some of us, if we're married, we will have people in our lives that can also help us to know. (laughs) (laughs) They can also make, Gentle suggestions. That's very um, diplomatic, I have to say. I think we know, Tim. I think we just know. I think we know, yeah. and I think that's conscience, and I think that's a good thing. And we're just, you know, I've been through, I've just been hammered the last two years, as you guys know. Like, I lost my business. I lost my career. I lost my lifestyle. And I've been through a two-and-a-half, three-year wilderness you know a real job experience and luckily i've had some really good people and some good men Hmm. and i think i've turned a corner recently i've sort of gone this is not god's plan for me this is not how the story ends and i just keep getting up i just keep getting up i don't know what it is in me i'm just like i'm not going to give up 
and mm. I'm going to get a little bit better and I'm going to keep trying a bit harder. I'm just going to keep going. But look, we're back to the Pelagian thing, right? Um, it's not pure will. It's I've been really reading some great stuff lately on just real abandonment and trust like to God, like there's mm. never been a, a strong suit for me. Uh, so it's this beautiful mix of, you know, God gave us free will. If he didn't, we'd be robots and we'd just all be perfect, but we're not. Mm. So he, there's this dance going on between our own potential and free will and grace. Mm. We don't know how long we've got. So just each day the little bit we can do to keep growing. And, look, you know, just serve. I think for men, if you want to build character, just serve. Coach under-16 girls soccer, that'll do it. <laughs> you flicked over something before, and I've and got to come back to it. You, you said behind every addiction there's a degree of self-loathing. And I just I want to explore that because there would be many guys listening right now who – you know, and we've talked about a few addictions on the show, but, uh, you know, and it can range from porn to drugs to alcohol to chilling out on Netflix to whatever it may be, food, you know, whatever it is that you you know that you're comforting something. Just uh, just speak into that space for a second because the, this idea of self-loathing that we might not even be aware of, that that's what we're actually doing. We're, we're making ourselves feel better through this thing. Yeah, where do we start? Uh, Karen's dad for many years worked for the Salvation Army in drug and alcohol rehab. Oh, right. He wasn't a member of the Salvos, but he, he ran their rehab program. And so we, we saw that up close for years as he was running that centre. And remember at a barbecue once he said to me something really simple. He said, he said, Jonathan, three words. He said, drugs medicate pain. And he said, if you find somebody's got a problem with a drug, whether it's pornography, sex addiction, alcohol, meth, you know, laziness, whatever, he said, you'll find the pain. There'll be pain there somewhere. So the first thing is that, you know, there'll be different mechanisms for people that drive them to addiction. Um, you know, for me, you know, I'm an avoider, believe it or not. People always find it strange. Like I tend to avoid in my own way. I tend to try, I just sort of check out. I've always had to, you know, be really careful with alcohol over the years. Um, you know, ever since, I mean, when I was 10, I got arrested. When I was 12, I was in hospital for alcohol. Like I just got to, you know, so I've always had to to keep a close eye on that one. Um, we've had alcoholism in the family. Drugs medicate pain. So you got you got to eventually go to the source of the pain. And I think for most of us as men, we very rarely want to do that voluntarily. Yeah. And the second mm. thing is even even if you do, you have to find the kind of people that can support you in that journey. But if you don't, so if you've got to listen to this and you're thinking, yeah, maybe, well, maybe I drink too much, maybe I look at porn too much, maybe this, but, you know, it's not a big deal. What I'd say is maybe you're right, right? Like maybe you're not as bad as someone, but the goal of life isn't to be not as bad as someone else. Yes, right. <laughs> um, there's a lot you're leaving on the table. Yes. Hmm. So what happens if you get free, right? Like what happens if you get free? You know, T.S. Eliot in his famous poems back in the 30s, there's a beautiful line from um, Four Quartets or, but he said, uh, the goal, the end of all our searching will be to arrive where we began and know the place for the first time. And it's a bit esoteric, but he kind of meant 
that when we do the work, we come home to ourselves and we become who we really are. Mm. And and the reason for that, the reason to do it, it's going to sound very simplistic, is so you can love. Because when you get free, you can just love people better. You'd be a better yeah. husband, better father, better friend. You're free. Uh, and I'm not there. I just know the map, <laughs> right? <laughs> I just know the map. I know, I know. And so for me at the moment, there's this, like, like I said before, um, if I was smart enough, and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty highly educated dude, I guess, and I've always been very driven. And but if I was hard enough working or smart enough to have mastered it all, I would have done it, and I haven't. So I'm getting to this place, you know, the wisdom that comes from years of banging my head against the wall of like grace of like you just got to give God this much. You just got to give Him like you look. We're talking about addiction, like. I've never been to AA or stuff, but the 12 steps program, you look at that first line and that, and AA is amazing. That 12 step methodology. They're like, first step is we realized that our lives had become unmanageable and we accepted that we needed a higher power. You know, I don't know the exact phrasing of it, but they realized that it wasn't a problem with knowing more stuff necessarily. It wasn't a problem with wanting to change. It was that, you can get those pieces in place, but it's still hard to change. So I've only really got one sort of strategy these days, which is an increasing sense of kind of abandonment in prayer and uh, and just telling God, you know, I'm really grateful for how far I've come, but in the mm. time that's left. You know, I've been married 20, almost 22 years and um, – I've been really blessed, you know, it's been a great marriage, but I'm interested how good could it become, right? Like I want to be one of those really old couples that like really yes. like each other and make every, and, and annoy everybody with how cute we are when we're 85. <laughs> I want my kids, I want my kids. So I was thinking the other day about talking to some businessmen. I thought, you know, what would I say to men, you know, like it, what would you want your kids to say about you, right? Yeah. Because I, mm. I sat around a fire the other day. And we got to we got to talking about fears. And somebody said to me, you know, what's your greatest fear? And I said to Karen, I said, you know my greatest fear? She goes, no, I don't. I said, yeah, you do. I said, you totally know my greatest fear. And she, she couldn't think of it for a second. And I said, um, being anything like my father. Wow. And, um, wow. and so, you know, I'm interested in the time that's left and what's possible, right? because my kids really like me and I really like my kids and I've been able to rewrite a lot of history. And so this work of character and virtue and prayer and grace and overcoming addictions and problems is so you can love, so you can write a better story. That's the point. That's the point. The point isn't to make more money, get elected, you know, be the richest guy in the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. It's to live fully, right? That's brilliant. Jonathan, in, in one of our previous chats, um, about changing our character and we'll end on this but there's the the last one i really want to just fine-tune because this is really uh des and i's heart and what we believe as momentum is really helpful for men so you you mentioned five things that will help change our character be humble be open to new ways number two is live out your principles and values number three is be intentional which you've talked about Four, practice self-discipline and number five which i just want you to expand on for a tick is be accountable 
and surround yourself with people who have high expectations open yourself up to accountability just speak into that space for men listening right now because you know the, the reality is when we do the journey on our own we don't hold ourselves accountable it's easy to cop out it's easy to whatever talk about the accountability piece for men listening right now this goes to the genius of what you guys are doing with momentum right and i know des this is really on your heart like you know the number of good men that have looked after me over the years has been extraordinary it really is like and i just talk about you got to have a couple of places you can tell the truth so i've got two or three really close male friends like really close um 20 30 years of friendship and i think i mentioned this in our last discussion recently we were sitting around a fire down the coast the three of us and it was one of the deepest conversations that i'd ever had it was profound and often you just need to get men in the right situation where they got the time and the space to actually do that um i've had some amazing priests in my life that go way back to i think november 3rd 1994 five was when i'd say i really had a kind of sense of conversion and and that priest is now in his 70s and he's had a huge impact around the world and i was at an event on the weekend and i saw him and i just went and spent some time with him and um i've had some really fantastic men yeah that's so, really so fantastic key. men and i think well i think i mentioned maybe previously a few years ago <laughs> we went to this easter event and we ran into this older couple. These guys are successful businessmen. And I ended up talking to him and I was so resistant. I didn't want to talk to him much about anything. And, you know, he's a real hard on his sleeve, emotional kind of dude gets really emotional. I'm not, I'm not like so much like that. And, but he felt really deeply about where I was at and what I've been going through. And he just refused to give up. And for about two years, he rang me every Saturday morning for about two and a half hours. Wow. And he just didn't stop. Like sometimes people will, you know, they'll show an interest in you for a while. But so for every man listening, you know, you've got to get yourself surrounded by good men and men you can tell the truth to, men you can say, I have this addiction. This is what I looked at at the internet last night. This is what I'm how much I'm drinking. This is, I feel depressed or my marriage is terminal. And, you know, because that's how we lived, right? For like for thousands of years, you grew up with a particular group of men. You never traveled more than about 10 miles from yeah. where you were born and they just vanished. So yes. accountability. Yeah. I, I, I definitely have, you know, I could pick up the phone and ring any number of about five people and tell them the truth. Hmm. So if my, if my marriage was in serious trouble or I was doing something stupid, I've got some places to go. So Good. I think what momentum's doing is so crucial. And the, you know, the more that men can get around each other at the moment, the better. It's very sound advice. Can I just say that that might be a little confronting for you uh, to go, Hey, you know what? I, I don't have anybody in my speed dial that I could reach out to. Can we encourage you to, have a conversation with somebody in your life and start building that sort of friendship or even reach out to Desnai at Momentum yeah. at the website, momentumaustralia.org. We can either help you out or maybe find you someone in your local area that can you can maybe start that journey with because having accountability and we've talked about, but having people most importantly that can journey with you on your, in your life 
is so so crucial and um jonathan i, I just want to again thank you for what you've imparted there but leaving us leaving us on that note and being vulnerable and honest about your own life mate we um we appreciate that and then encouragement to the men listening yeah that that's the heart behind momentum is don't do life on your own find good men that you can have honest real conversations with and do life with so jonathan doyle always a pleasure my friend thanks for being a part of the show love it guys really appreciate it and um you know just hope it's a blessing to people listening thanks for having me oh thanks again to our special guest jonathan doyle and hopefully you gleaned something from this week's show uh if you'd like to hear this uh, episode again and previous episodes of momentum you can do that by checking out our website momentumaustralia.org Every show that we've done is there on the podcast button. You can click there and find all of the previous shows, other topics and tidbits as well, an opportunity for you to start a discussion, be involved in a discussion, find out some tips and advice from other guys around Australia because we're all in this together. And look, if you would like to spare a few dollars to ensure that Momentum stays broadcasting right around Australia, we would really, really appreciate your support. Whatever that can be for you, uh, you can donate online at MomentumAustralia.org. Essentially, you're not just donating towards keeping momentum on the air. What you are doing is sowing into men's lives all around Australia. As I mentioned before, 31 radio stations are taking the show. Vision FM are taking the show and which broadcasts nationwide. And of course, we are podcast all around the world and getting feedback from all around the world too. If you want to put in uh, Momentum Australia into your favorite podcast platform, you'll be able to hear all of the previous episodes too. My thanks again to Jonathan Doyle, Des, of course, and to you listening. Look forward to seeing you next week and having another great discussion right here on Momentum. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.